man, I don't know about you, but I could just kind of, man, I could just sit in that for a while. It's so good. It's so good. I'm grateful for this place. I'm thankful for our team and our staff. They just are dynamic. I'm thankful for all the ministries in this house. God has blessed this house. His hand is on this place. His favor is on this place. And I'm glad that you're here this morning. I'm glad that we can come in and take communion together and just worship as a family and truly say, God, it just fits for me. How do I not worship you and praise you? And how do I not just be able to go all in in my time of praise and thanksgiving? That it's not about me. Our time of thanksgiving is about him to say thank you. Because of the work of the cross. Church, you got to realize everything that we do revolves beautifully around the work of the cross. Paul said, let's not boast on nothing but the cross. Like that is the absolute center of everything. The Old Testament led up to the cross. We in the new age, not new age, excuse me, me in the, in the church age, we're not new age at all. Us in the church age, we look back to the cross. We live our life because of the cross. Old Testament looked to the cross because the cross is now, and we, we've experienced that cross as New Testament believers. Christ died on that cross. His spirit dwells within us. Man, we now live and function because of the cross. The cross is center. The cross is that which we boast on. The cross is why we breathe and what we do for the kingdom of God is because of the work of the cross. And man, when you understand that we're in this series that, that causes us to be meat eaters and not milk drinkers, get off the milk and onto the meat, like to know the marks of a mature believer. Like Believer's Chapel, we want to build disciples. We want to build true followers of Christ who are ready to get in it, who are ready to fight, who are ready to build, who are ready to be bold, who are ready to be strong for the sake of lives, for the sake of those who need Jesus, for the sake of those who are lost. Man, we need to be meat eaters. We, we need to get off the milk and onto the meat. We need to walk as disciples of Christ that are fully surrendered. It's no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. This life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. The Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Like that's, that's living, that's life now, post-cross, Jesus within. It's no longer about us. And what happens to us when we hear the word and we chew on it as meat and we put it into our spirit, we grow on the word of God. And we say, I'm done with being the immaturity. We talked about this. Like there's three types. Those who are just not saved. Those who are newly saved. And, and they're immature, or unfortunately, those who have been saved for a while and they just haven't grown. And then there's the mature believer that continues to grow. They understand, I'm walking as a disciple of Christ. I want to walk as a mature believer and a follower of Christ, and I know that I continue to grow. That's a meat eater. That's a meat eater. We're going we're gonna to name our men's ministry meat eaters, just so you know. Like, just, just now in this moment, I came up with a new name. I don't even think if Sheen is here today, but if he's here, we're, we're calling our men's ministry meat eaters. From now on, our men's ministry is called meat eaters. How about that? We just, we just made that up in the moment, and now we're meat eaters. That's what we're doing for men. It's going to be great. That's our men's ministry is meat eaters. And Women, that can go for you too, but as men, we're just going to eat meat. So it's going to be incredible on the Word of God. It's going to be awesome. If you're a vegetarian, I'm, I'm not even talking about food, but ha, good luck. Anyways, um, 
Eat your salad, I'll take the steak. It's all good, I love you. It's no judgment, just eat your beans and rice or whatever you eat. I don't even know if you can eat beans as a vegetarian. I have no idea. Anyways, I got to preach, stop. I got, I got to get going here, come on. <clears throat> but church, what is it to understand? It's time to grow up in the church. And if you're a new believer, I want you to be hungry for the word of God. If you're a mature believer, I want you to be hungry for the word of God. I want us to continue to grow. We've never arrived until we get home. And today we look, at, we look at finances. We look at if you're a mature believer, if you're off the milk and under the meat, you understand what it really means to be a good steward of that which God has given you. You know, this isn't, this isn't a conversation on to tithe or not to tithe. This isn't, you, you can find YouTube videos. And if you're a person who, who tries to find a loophole in giving, if you're the person who wants to watch the YouTube video that says you don't have to give and all you do is try to find the loophole, and well, I don't have to give. Like, no, we're called to give and we're called to be generous for God so loved the world that he gave. And we're going to go through this briefly today because we're kind of short on time, but we're going to go through this. But for those who watch a YouTube lug nut who, who tries to find the loophole that you don't have to give, ah, the Bible says that's only going to end up in greed. That's what the Bible says. So turn off the lug nuts, get into the Word of God, and see what the Bible actually says about being generous, and see what the Bible actually says about the character of God, which is to give, and see what the Bible actually says about our purpose, our priority, and the promise that's attached. And when you understand the mark of a mature believer is a sign of generosity, is a sign of what to do with the, the, the finances that God has given to me, what to do with that. And here at Believer's Chapel, man, I'm not preaching this message because we are low on funds. I'm not preaching this message because, oh man, we got to pick it up, let's go. Uh, truly, I'm preaching this message because it's a mark of a mature believer. And Believer's Chapel is healthy, and we are so grateful. Even as JD, our board member, mentioned, he says, we're in, we're in great place, man. We're able to do a lot in this community. God has given us this building. We've been able to do a lot within this building with the ship and with the castle. We're able to do a lot with Love Thy Neighbor. We're able to do a lot with BC West and all of these properties. Like, God has been so good to us. I'm telling you, God has been so good to us, and we are in a healthy place financially. We're excited about that, but when you, when you, when you see, biblically speaking, what it is to be a mature disciple of Christ, generosity is a piece of that. If I'm walking in an honor to God, Old Testament, a big picture of the Old Testament before Christ and before the cross was a healthy, holy fear of God. The Old Testament saints functioned from a fear and from a reverence of God. They knew what it was to honor God based off of a reverence and a respect of God. And that carries over to the New Testament. We are called to walk in a healthy, holy fear of God. But what's different is we've got the cross. What's different is we've got the Holy Spirit dwelling within, that we look to the cross and know that Jesus paid it all. Therefore, I live because Jesus paid it all on that cross, but I function from a healthy, holy fear of God. But I'm saved because of the work of the cross. You've got to understand that. So, so let's look at Proverbs 3. I want, to, I want to dive into this. I want us to see what it means to really look at what does God say about finances. And we're only going to hit a, a touch, man. We're only going to a couple places. When you see the Bible says a lot about money, like 500 places it talks about love, 500 places it, it, talks, um, it talks about love, it talks about, um, I lost my thought on that, but if it talks 500 times on love uh, and you see it talks 
2,000 times on finances, it's a big deal. If Jesus almost, almost half of his parables had to do with finances, almost half of his parables, his illustration teaching was making points on finances and what to do, being a good steward with that which he has given you. Right, when you realize Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of 10 verses through the Gospels has to do with finances. Like, it's, it's a big deal, right? It's a big deal. So when we get into this, you know, money, it does matter to God, and money, it does matter to us, and it does matter to the church. People say, well, God don't need your money. Well, building his kingdom and church does. We give to the church in order to do his work. We give to the church in order to do this dynamic work here in this region and beyond. We are excited about what God's doing. And I love the generosity of this church. Last week, we had a car wash for our teenagers to be able to go to Alive. And for those who signed up, they served. It was amazing. And I tell you, church, this is this church. This is who we are. It's amazing. First of all, as we are, I have to apologize because I've seen some of your cars since it's been washed. And I see some spots that the teenagers might have missed. You can bring that back. And I'll, you know, I'll give you their address, who washed it, and you can go to their house, and they can rewash it. It'd be amazing, because you were so generous in your giving. I'm like, guys, listen, they're throwing 20s. Someone threw a check of 100. People were just blessing this church. It was incredible. Like, do the job. Like, let's go. Clean the car. It was amazing. But you guys were so generous last week, and I, 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 can't, I can't think of a car wash that has the ability to do what we did last week. Church, we, we washed cars for two hours. We made over $1,000 an hour. That's this church. That's this ch- That's you, right? First service, second service. We made over two grand in washing cars. And I'm like, hey, you better make that spotless next time. Let's fix this. Come on. But it was, that's just the generosity of this church. Come on, I want you to see this. Proverbs 3 says this. Proverbs 3 says this. Start right in verse 7. Proverbs 3, 7, it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Here's that reverence. Here's that respect. Here's that honor. Here's, here's that, that healthy uh, reverence to God. Going, if I have a healthy respect of God and I know what it is to honor him and fear him, then I'm going to walk in obedience to him. Like my life belongs to him. And it says, don't be wise in your own eyes. When you hear false teaching on giving, don't be wise in your own eyes. Follow the script. Hear the word of God. Watch what it says. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. For it will be healing for your body and refreshing to your bones. Here it is. Uh, verse 9 says this. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats would overflow with new wine. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. And there, there's three huge pieces to this. Number one, we give on purpose. We give uh, out of priority. And we know that there's a promise attached. We give out of, out of purpose. What's the purpose? Honor the Lord. And the word honor here, it means weight. It means something that has depth to it, something that has value to it, that is a heavy value, that is a heavy weight to it. When I want to honor God, there is this depth of my honor, this deep value of who God is for me. Watch this. Honor the Lord from what? From your, from your wealth. That's your, that's your finances. Honor the Lord from your wealth. And watch this, and that, that's, that's the purpose. Why do we give? I want to honor God because that's what he's given me. He owns it all and he's given it to me. I want to honor him without what he's given me. I want to serve the church. Listen, Malachi 3 talks about not robbing God. 
right? How, how have we robbed you in tithes and offerings? Like, we don't want to rob God. We want to honor him. And we want to give according to what he calls us to give. Now listen, then the second thing is this. It's a priority. What does priority mean? From the first of your priority. That means God gets the best, not what's left over. Why is it, church, we just went through communion. I know Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. God so loved the world. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's incredible. God, I'm just going to give you the leftovers. What is that? Like, truly, what is that? No, God says, listen, honor me from your wealth and from your first. That is priority. From your first. Renee and I, before we got married, and I speak to every young person on that. If you're here, you're dating, you're not married yet, you're engaged, one day you're going to be married, you know you're going to be married, get it straight now. Understand the conversation with your soon-to-be husband or soon-to-be wife or one-day husband or one-day wife. Say, we've got to set up our finances from day one so we're not behind. So we understand, man, we, we look at what we make. And Renee and I did this before we were married. The very first line on the budget is tithes and offering, and then we have always lived off the rest. God always gets our first. Listen, I'm a fan of giving God uh, the gross amount, not the net amount. I think God gets before the government gets. I think the government gets a lot. That's what I think. The God, I think they take a lot from us who work and give it to those who don't. Bible has a lot to say about that, but that's not for today. We don't have time for that today. Um, talks about the lazy. If you don't work, you don't eat. Put that over social services. See what happens. Ah, I didn't say that. God says that, right? So come on. Woo! First Thessalonians 3.10, that's what it says. So listen, come on, let's look at this and, um, and understand that, God, you get the best and you get my first. Renan and I have set it up this way from the very beginning. Here's what we make. Here's our tithes and our offering. We believe in the 10%, and then an offering is where the blessing is. And God, we will live off the rest. We've been married for 29 years, and we have never lacked. We have never lacked. God has been faithful, and God has blessed. And when there is shortage, guess who doesn't get shorted? God never gets shorted. My dad would say, Sean, you can never outgive God. Don't ever shortchange God. Don't shortchange your pizza, shortchange your, your, your steak, shortchange your movies, shortchange whatever. Like, never shortchange God. Never shortchange God. Now watch this. Again, purpose, honor God. Priority means, God, my giving is my priority. You deserve my best. You deserve my first. And then church, hear this. I love this because there's a promise that's attached. Now, don't, don't get into the TV evangelist. Don't get into the lug nuts that are on TV. If you give $59.99 today, there will be a check in the mail for $300 on Tuesday at 4.05 p.m. is going to come, and there will be a knock on your door. And it's like, this is how God works. This is the blessing. This is the hundredfold. This is the thirtyfold. This is sixtyfold. Don't get in. Please hear me. Don't get into the lug nut speakers out there. And, and I, there might be preachers. I don't know who they would be preaching to, but if you give my ministry, me, 1099, and every person does that, it will come back to you 100-fold, and you, you will get a check for $100. Just wait, pray, and believe. And then, like, those, those people are that, that take the promise, and they screw it all up. But in that, watch this now, please hear me, in knowing that, ah, these guys are the love nuts, I don't want this. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Don't say, well, there is no promise. No, God says that there's a promise. 
God says that there is blessing. God says you will reap what you sow. I believe this, right? I'm not going to give to the $59.99 and then expect. I gave that $59.99. I'm going to get $159.99, fold. It's going to come to my door. It's going to be amazing. Like, no, I don't give to get that. I don't give to get the postman to give me some check because the guy on TV said he's going to show up at this specific time and give me a check. Church, that's crazy. But do not throw out the blessing and the promise because of some of the crazies out there. God will bless those who give. God will fulfill his promise that your barns will be filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. This is a promise. If I stick to the purpose and I stick to this as a priority, God will always do his part. God will always do his part. And there is a promise. And there is blessing attached. Come on, 2 Corinthians, please. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And again, I want you to know this as a disciple of Christ. I want you to know this as a believer. I want you to know this as a part of Believer's Chapel. You're in this family. You're part of this house. We don't shy away from finances. We don't shy away from talking on giving. You've seen how we've changed things up. Uh, I don't always take up the offering. I love having these men who, who are either board members or staff members or deacons or men that I just trust. That they, they, I know that they are followed a pattern of biblical giving, and it's good to hear a different voice. And we speak, we give verses weekly on giving. It's, it's not, we don't shy away from finances. It's a big deal it's a big deal biblically. It was a big deal for Jesus in his teaching. So when we teach on this, you're used to this. This isn't anything new to Believer's Chapel. And again, BC is blessed, man. I'm thankful that God's hand on this place. I'm thankful that you're a part of this place. I'm thankful that you see the vision of this place, of reaching this region, to truly seeing God move in this region, to see the mighty hand of God do a work, to see that we are increasing on our territory, that God is blessing this church and he is protecting us from harm. God is doing a work here and we're all a part of that, right? But I want you to see what it is to reap and sow. The Bible is very clear. Don't miss this. The Bible is clear. There is reaping and there is sowing. We talked on this a few weeks ago. If you sow with your lips, you're going to get it back. Right, words are seeds. Whatever you're planting, that's going to grow. Whatever you're planting with your words, you're going to bear that fruit, reaping, sowing. Right, Galatians 6 says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall also reap. Do not be deceived. God, creator of the heavens and the earth, is not going to be mocked. God, who knows all things. God, who's everywhere all the time. God, who hears what every person thinks, says, and does. He sees it all. That God will not be, you can't hide anything from God. You can't do something that God doesn't see. You can't deceive God. You don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. For whatever a man sows, it's a promise, man. It's a guarantee. He shall also reap. So how about financially? Does this principle ring true somewhere in Scripture financially? That you will reap what you sow when it comes to finances. Come on, let's look at this with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 6. If you go back and you read this, 
uh, the first five verses deal with money. It talks about a bountiful gift. It talks about them storing up finances to be able to give a very healthy gift. So this, keep it in context, this has to do with finances. Context speak to this being about money. Verse six, now this I say, he who sows sparingly, here it is, watch, watch, here it is. Look at this with me with care. Second Corinthians 9, verse 6, this I say, dealing with money, this is what he says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Wow, so Sean, what you're saying is sowing and reaping actually as much as it has to do with our mouth, as much as it has to do with our godly living, as much as it has to do with not mocking God for whatever, whatever I sow, I'm going to reap. God sees it all. And you're saying that that actually has to do with the picture financially. Galatians 9, verse 6 says very much so. And I love this because this gives us this beautiful picture of what it is to give. Now I say this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. For each one must do as purposed in his heart. Church, what happens when you realize giving has to be on purpose? There has to be intention behind giving. As purposed, as with a purpose. This is what this means. As with a purpose in his heart. Do you understand that giving is truly a matter of the heart? It shows, okay, am I walking as a, a mature believer or an immature believer? What is my perspective of God and how generous God is for God so loved the world that he gave in his generosity? And when I come to be like Christ, when I come to be born again, I am like Christ. So how is it do I become generous then as a born again believer? Do I know the purpose for which I give and do I give as a matter of my heart? Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you get a document of where all of your spending went, that just screams what your priority is. That just screams. You can't ignore the digits. If you got a heavenly spreadsheet from God that he knows every penny that's been spent, and you and I are called to be good stewards of that which he's given us. You see that through several different parables. He's given us as his servants, and we're called to be good stewards with that which he's given us. And there'll be an account for that. So even this month, at the end of June, if you were to get this spreadsheet from heaven, and it said every penny that you spent, ask you a serious question. What would that reveal about your heart? What would that reveal about your heart? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If you treasure the things of this earth, then your heart is for the earth and the things of this world. But if you treasure the things above, is for the things above. If your priority is truly the kingdom of God as a mature believer, then your treasure will reflect that. Nothing wrong with nice, nice things, nothing wrong with a nice car, a nice house, nothing wrong with that at all. God's blessing. God's blessing. 
But if it's only in all that, we've missed. We've missed. What's your purpose? As purposed in his heart. Watch this. Each one must do as purposed in his heart, not to hear this, underline that, not grudgingly or under compulsion. Not grudgingly, not, not, not sorrowfully grudging means it's a grudge. Ah, I hate it when we take up the offering. Oh, this is the worst part of service. They expect us to give. Oh, I'll give my dollar just to show off to people like I gave my dollar, so I'm giving something in the bucket. This is like, can't we just get to the worship? Can't we just get to the message? I just want the message. Like, oh, this is so hard for me that, oh, this is the time for the, like, this is like, our giving shouldn't be grudgingly. It shouldn't be painful. It shouldn't be sorrowful. It shouldn't be out of grief. Not grudgingly, and without, without compulsion, which means without force. Like, no one's forced to give you. We, we, should, we should have a joy to give. We should be excited to be able to give. We should want to. It, there, there's this desire versus duty. And duty here, there is a responsibility to duty, but we don't give because we have to give. We don't give because we're forced to give. If you're the ones looking for the YouTube video that gives you the loophole that you don't have to give and you don't, you have no desire to give. I'm like, ah, come on, get off the milk. We should have that desire to give to the house to feed you, to have the desire to give to the house that you're a part of knowing that we're making a dynamic difference within this community and this region. We're seeing God do mighty works, and you're a part of that. It should be like, yes, oh, I'd love to give. I can't wait to give. Man, it's a part of offering. It's a part of worship. It's a part of service. It's a part of family. It shouldn't be because, oh, this is the worst time. Oh, I have to give now. I want to go back to that video and find the loophole that says I don't have to give. I can keep it all for myself. Ah! Church, what is it of duty versus desire? Yes, there is a responsibility in our giving because the Bible says so. But when you know Christ, there is that responsibility. But watch this, watch this. It is partnered with the desire. I can't wait to give. Renee and I love the, the, the first offering of the year. We love praying through that first offering. Say, Lord, how much did we give last year? We want to give more than that this year. We know that you're going to bless this year. You know that you reap what you sow. And God, I want your hand on our finances. We look forward to that offering to give more than we did last year. We look forward at the end of the year to see all that we gave, not for a high five for us. Nobody knows what we give. Uh, our accountants do, and that's great for accountability. But to say, God, we want to give more this year than we did last year. We want to make sure that that's going up in our tithes and our offerings. It's exciting for us. And church, just so you know, like I had to say this in the first service and it came to me in the first service. I didn't think about it in preparation for this. But there is people in this community, they're amazing. They lie about Believer's Chapel. They make things up about Believer's Chapel, which we can handle that. High five, move on. I could care less about the minnows. But the reality is, is there was a rumor and a lie saying to come to Believer's Chapel, to walk in the front doors, they will check your W-2s. 
I'm like, you are a lug nut. I don't give two flips how much people make in this church. Like, nobody's looking at your W-2s. And you know, you want to know the truth? Your pastor has no idea what you give. Your pastor has no idea what you give. I don't count the money. I don't look at the money. I never, ever in my flesh want to think someone is more important because they gave more money than somebody else. If you gave $10 and that's your tithes and your offerings, if you give a million dollars, which would be nice, but if you gave a million dollars, that's your tithes and your offerings, nobody's getting their name on a plaque here. I don't know what you give. I don't want to know what you give. That's a matter of your heart. Now watch this. we got to close with this. I want you to see this. Not grudgingly or under compulsion. For Watch this. What's, what's the matter of the heart? For God loves what? A cheerful giver. For God loves, God loves a cheerful giver. For God loves a cheerful giver. For God so loved the world that he gave. For God loves a cheerful giver. There is some depth. Well, hear this, please. There is some depth. If you're taking notes, get this. There's some depth to this word cheerful. It means hilarious. It means to give where I am full of joy. It's not painful. It's not sorrowful. I'm not forced to do it. I realize the responsibility, but I'm not forced to do it. I can't wait to give. It brings joy. It's hilarious giving. It's cheerful giving. It's joyful giving. But watch this. It doesn't stop there. There's this depth to this word that it means I, I give without having to be persuaded. I give because, I watch this, I've already been won over on giving. I give not having to be pushed, not having to be begged, not having to be compelled, not having to be forced. I give because no one has to persuade me to give. I give because it's joyful. I give because I've I've already been persuading. You don't need to persuade me anymore. I give because I'm a cheerful giver. I give, watch this, another word for this means willingly. I'm a willing participation in generosity. That's what this means. That's what this means. Watch this. For God loves. The word God here is theos. And and it's it's the word for God that means, watch this, this is so important when it's talking about giving and we realize the word God here is theos. And what that means is God is, watch this, he's the creator and the owner of all things. God is the creator and he is the owner of all things and he loves a cheerful giver. The God who is the creator and the God who is the owner of all things loves a cheerful giver. Church, what is it in your perspective perspective that you know I'm only giving back to God which he owns? I'm only giving back to God which he's already given me. When you realize, God, you own it all. You own it all. Come on, flip me quickly. Psalms 24, we got to close with this. Psalms 24, I, I want to read this to you because this, when, you, when you have the proper mindset biblically of a mature believer, say, okay, God owns it all. Therefore, I'm giving back to him what he already owns. I'm giving back to him what he's already given to me. Come on, watch this. Proverbs 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and those who dwell on it. Like, I love this. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. That's everything. And the world and those, that's us, mankind, animals and mankind, those that dwell on it. So God owns it all. The earth is the Lord's, 
all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it, for he has founded it upon the seas. He established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in the holy place? That's reference to his presence. He who has clean hands and a pure heart has not lifted his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing. There it is. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation and this generation to those who seek him, who seek your face. Church, what is it to seek God? What is it to seek his face in all things and to realize, God, I get it. You own it all. You are the God who created and owns everything. That's God in his splendor and his majesty and his excellence, that he owns it all. And we're just giving back to the owner. Watch this now. We're just being good stewards of that which he's given to us to serve his kingdom. Come on, church, where are you in this? Where are you in just the simplicity of just a few verses this morning? God, where am I in the mark of a mature believer of being a good steward with that which you've given me? Have I made my money about me? Have I made my money about me? I made it. I can do what I want with it because it's mine. Or, God, I breathe the air that you have provided for me to breathe. I work with the hands that you have given me. I am blessed by the job that has been provided for me. The money I make is yours. God, I want to walk in a way to give my tithes and my offerings to do a work here on these grounds and in this house and in this region and in this area. So that, God, we will see you do a mighty work, a mighty work.